Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Hello there and welcome into the show. Quick note to all our listeners that you can find the Saints Wire podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. So do us a favor, find the show, absorb all of John Sigler's analysis, and then hit that subscribe button because we appreciate you. And uh, John, it's good to be back. I've missed our football chats. Uh, But, you know, as you know, I've been busy hanging out with my newborn son, lots of diapers, bottles, onesies, all that stuff. You know, but the good news is you can play with a baby and still watch all the college football and, and pro football on Sundays that you want, right? So it's good. You got the baby and you're holding the baby like a football, watching football all weekend. So it's been it's been good. I haven't missed a thing. Man, I, you know, my, my kid is uh, preparing for home for her middle school homecoming dance. So I'm, there I'm a little worried about that. There it is. But, happens fast. But I, huh? I, remember, I remember those days. I remember those days well, man. She, she grew up with uh, Drew Brees with the black and gold and yelling go Saints. So, so we're right there with you. So. Um, you know, it's a busy time of the year for all of us, and um, I'm glad to have you back on the show. Yes, it's good to be back. Yeah, my my kid already has so many sports onesies, and my wife's family's from the Ohio area, so he's got oh, Buckeyes, no. Bearcats, oh, Cincinnati no. Bearcats, Cleveland Browns. Uh, well, hey, I, I like the Bearcats. I like <laughs> yeah. the Bearcats. This yeah, year, man. They, yeah, me they too. Should, they should be in the playoffs. So yeah. That's okay. That's they got okay. A, they got a chance. So yeah, so it's like which onesie's gonna wear? You got the Patriots onesie, the Brown. He's got Browns onesies, so. He's got to figure out what team he likes. You know, we'll have to figure that thing out. That's that's a that's a story for another day, right? But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, have I missed anything with the Saints? What's going on with the team? Like, you know, I, I watched that game against the Seahawks, and man, it's it's good that they've put that bad loss to the Giants behind them. And but now you've knocked off the football team, you knocked off the Seahawks, and I feel like the Saints, like, I feel like they're kind of struggling, John. They're kind of like trying to find their way, just kind of get some guys back and make a run, but. You look at the standings; they're four and two. They're like not far out of this thing at all. And you know, you beat the Bucks at home this week, and all of a sudden you're like in the driver's seat in the division again. You're you're kind of controlling that division like you always do. So, for some reason, I watch these games. I watch them struggle with the Seahawks, who you know, with Geno Smith in there, just they're just not a very good football team right now. And you see, you see the Saints kind of struggle and win it on defense and just do enough on offense. And you mean, man, the Saints are really struggling, huh? And you look at the standings, and they're right there. So, how are you feeling about the football team right now? I feel much better about the Saints defense than I do the offense. The defense really took over that game in Seattle. Uh, they sacked Geno Smith on three of the last four plays. They um, nearly intercepted him on on the final play of regulation. Um, they had a just a very, very encouraging performance, and that was spurred by Marcus Davenport returning from injured reserve. Uh, he really, really energized the defensive line. I mean, on that last play with Geno Smith uh, just throwing the ball up with a prayer, uh, he did that because Davenport knocked knocked down like three different Seahawks blockers. I mean, he he was just moving the line of scrimmage all night. He had had a fantastic uh, game back. We need to see it every week. The issue lies with the Saints' offense. Uh, great great stat uh, float, floating around here. Um, Jameis Winston threw 16 passes to the New Orleans Saints wide receiver core, and they only caught four of them. Uh, oh. Three of those w- were caught by Marquez Callaway. Uh, Rick Smith had one on the final drive of the game. It was just, it was just a terrible, terrible night from from a unit that is becoming more and more obviously one of the worst position groups in the NFL. Keontae Harris misses the game and just everything falls apart. Um, and that just really speaks to how poorly constructed they are as, as a whole. So, 
you know, like you said, the same for four and two. Uh, Jameis Winston is playing some of the best football of his career. You know, we may not see that reflected in, in the numbers, but he is doing, he has improved in a lot of ways. He is not turning the ball over. He is looking pretty effective, uh, fairly efficient in scoring position. We just, it's just really tough to evaluate him because of the state of his supporting cast. Uh, he, he does not have a viable group of pass catch- catchers right now. The tight ends are inconsistent. The wide receivers are non-existent. Um, and Alvin Kamara is the only player the Saints really trust in the backfield. And, you know, they're running him so often now, I kind of worry uh, for his health. Like, what what is the long-term viability of that strategy? So we're about to find out against a very talented Tampa Bay team here on Sunday night. And I think the Saints are in a great position to give them some trouble. Yeah, you know, thinking back to that game and thinking about the pass distribution, like I only remember Kamara catching the ball. I, I don't remember anyone else catching it <laughs> besides Troutman who fumbled, right? And I was pissed when he fumbled the ball. It's like, what are you doing? Dude, can you do anything right, Troutman? You're killing us. Uh, yeah. Can't but, get it right. Yeah, can't get it right. And um, But Jameis, you know, as you mentioned Jameis, yeah, he is playing well. He's, he, like you said, not making mistakes. And man, he's kind of be- becoming a leader, right? He almost blew up social media when he chewed out Traquan, right? And he didn't only give Traquan a piece of the business there, John. He got right in the face, gave him the eyes. Oh, some of those memes on Twitter were hilarious on Monday night. What'd you think about that little moment? I thought that was kind of a good, that's a good sign. That's Jameis that shows you how invested and how seriously he's taking the QB1 role, I think. Yeah, he's really become the leader that the Saints hoped he would, he, he would develop into when they signed him. And it's going to take, you know, instances like that where he's ripping into a veteran who should know better. Uh, than to cut his routes short and to alligator arm these passes than, than Traquan Smith. Um, it's going to take him stepping up and continuing to step up uh, for the team to remain competitive. So good, good on him for really seizing that moment. Uh, th- th- there's a great Sean Payton side eye in the background of, of that video that's been going around <laughs> of, of, his, of him just watching it like in, in very quiet approval. Like he's not stepping in, he, he's not offering any input. He's just standing back and kind of surveying it, and he. he, he almost has that smirk that we've seen from time to time. Like they, they, like everything is going according to plan a little bit. So you know, I, I think it's still too soon to, to say definitively that Jameis Winston is the future of football in New Orleans. Um, but I've seen enough to be encouraged by, and I think Sean Payton has too, even if that isn't wholly reflected in how he's approaching uh, the game plan every week. You know, one thing, yeah, we keep talking about this 4-2 record, but I think it's, you know, you, you forget. You just forget that the Saints are right there. Like, I think, you know, the power rankings, John, right? They, they come out every Tuesday across the USA Today network everywhere. Everyone's got, everyone's got their power rankings on a, on a Tuesday morning. And uh, it's all th- these top-heavy teams in the NFC, right? The Cardinals, the Rams, the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Packers. Those are in everybody's top five. Maybe somebody has the Bills in there, but maybe, maybe only people out of Western New York <laughs> have the Bills in the top five. It's really all those teams from the NFC. They're only a lot of those teams are only a game ahead of the Saints. Like, so if that's the top tier, right? The Saints are in this next tier with who? Like the Vikings and the Falcons. Like, who else is in that? So I feel like, as much as this has felt like a tractor pull, they're still right there, right? They could still easily make a run, and it's just a matter of like, can they hold it together? Can they do it? Like, little disappointing that Traquan comes back and struggles, and he's like, you know, the quarterback has to yell at him on the sideline because he's not quite ready to go and. We're still waiting for Michael Thomas. Now we're going to week, what, week eight? Still no Michael Thomas. That's that's a little alarming, right? And then, you know, some other things bit. happen. Yeah, Will Lutz is out for the season, so the, the kicking b- continues to be a kind of a circus, although, what's his name, Brian Johnson? He made his field goals in the weather there against Seattle. So, I don't know, we just got to hope this whole thing stays together, you know what I mean? 
yeah, you know, you hope that they can patch enough holes in the ship to keep it afloat. Um, and they, they still have enough players coming back on injury that should help it up to start out. But, man, you know, at, at the end of the day, we, we have seen enough to know, like, who can play, who, who, who probably needs to be upgraded. And you've got to hope that the Saints can make a move here, here with the, the trade deadline coming up next Tuesday. Could the Saints be buyers, make a move to kind of put them over the hump and make a run in the second half of the season? John and I will get at that topic coming up next. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 8. Let's get right into it. Denver Broncos quarterback Teddy Bridgewater versus the Washington football team. The veteran quarterback gets Jerry Judy back in the lineup this week. Washington's tough to run against, but they're much weaker against tight ends and wideouts. With a capable pass-catching tight end in Noah Fant and three deep of legit wide receivers, Bridgewater should find a lot of success in the passing game. The position has averaged a league-high 31.2 fantasy points per game against this defense, and the next closest team, which is Kansas City, has given up only 28. One in every 9.7 completions is a touchdown, and Washington has picked off just one out of every 69 pass attempts. Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss versus the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo returns from his bye week to face one of the weakest defenses of the running back position. Moss is coming off his worst game of the year with 5.9 PPR points in Week 6, so this matchup comes at the perfect time. Miami has allowed a ground score per game on average, and in the last five weeks, this defense has improved some, giving up neutral stats across the board as its secondary has struggled to contain receivers. But with all of the attention paid to Buffalo's wideouts, Moss should be free to roam inside the red zone. On the other side of this matchup, Jalen Waddle wide receiver Miami Dolphins at Buffalo Bills. The Bills have the strongest defensive wide receivers in the last five weeks, and only one of 46 catches has crossed the stripe. In week two, these teams met for the first time this year, and Waddle, mind you, it was his second game ever, caught six passes for 48 yards. He has at least as many yards in five of seven games this year, and a hearty 21 targets in the last two contests alone. Buffalo will be content to allow Miami to throw a lot of short area passes in effort to keep them from going over the top, and PPR gamers shouldn't be afraid of the statistical matchup. That said, expect a result capped somewhere in the mid-teens for PPR points. Tight end CJ Ozama, Cincinnati Bengals at New York Jets. There's definite risk in stumping for Ozama, even with a wonderful matchup, just because this offense has so many outlets for the football. The Jets have played really well versus wide receivers, which is Cincinnati's strength, but running backs and tight ends have chewed them up. In the past five weeks, New York has looked a lot more like gangrene than gangrene. Tight ends have averaged 18.8 PPR points on the eighth most catches and yards per game. Two of the 30 catches have scored. While it's always a risk that he could get lost in the mix with so many talented weapons around him, the matchup is super bright and Uzama is a worthwhile play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, let's uh, let's riff off of an article you had on Saints Wire this week titled, It Couldn't Be More Obvious That the Saints Need More Firepower. <laughs> so it goes back to our conversation about the wide receivers catching, what was it, four balls in that game? Only four balls? and Yeah. It had to be, yeah, <laughs> and, we're, and we're leaning on Alvin Kamara to catch 10 of 11 targets in that game. 
to kind of just get enough offense and enough field goals to hold off the freaking Seahawks that, again, without Russell Wilson, are not that good. We've been kind of waiting and waiting and waiting for Michael Thomas, right, to come and kind of save the day. And it just kind of feels like you know, maybe it'll happen, but I, we should stop banking on it. You've got a long list of guys that you would like to see the Saints potentially go get, right? So which player do you think is actually like the most realistic at the deadline? Yeah, so I've done a lot of railing against the wide receivers and how sorry they've been and this and that and the other. Uh, the number one player I'm looking at is tight end Evan Ingram from the New York uh, football Giants. Yes. So Ingram had, so he made his first Pro Bowl last season. Uh, he, he was a, a big play threat for Daniel Jones. He had a, a, a very nice average depth of target at 7.2. Um, that, 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 that's pretty good, especially when you consider that he's picking up a lot of yards after the catch. Uh, he has a, an athletic profile that really uh, suggests he is a, a very strong straight line athlete. He's somebody that you want streaking downfield on down, down the seam, making plays um, down around around the first down marker and beyond it. Uh, that, that's what you want him to do. Uh, this season, he's been really miscast in New York. He's averaging just 4.3 yards uh, as, as his average depth of target. That, that, that's a three-yard drop from last year where the Giants are asking him to, to play underneath the coverage to try and shake a defender, break a tackle, and, and then – and then go off and pick up some yards, and that's just not his. That's just not his game. Um, he's just not built for that, and that, that's not what the Saints uh, would ask him to do if he were in New Orleans. But he's someone I would love to see come in, uh, kind of assert himself on top of the depth chart, uh, push Adam Troutman out of such a prominent role. Probably take some looks away from Jawan Johnson, but that, that's okay. Like Jawan Johnson was not playing, was not supposed to be one of the top receivers on this team this year. He he is very actively learning a new position. And bumping him down a bit could 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 really help his growth to take more time and, and better learn the position after converting from wide receiver over the summer. So Evan Ingram, I don't know what it would take to acquire him in a trade. We know that a number of teams are calling New York, trying to get him out of there before the deadline, trying to find an upgrade. Um, and, I, and I imagine the Saints would face some competition there. But if you could get him for like, I don't know, a fourth round pick next year, maybe um, a third rounder the year after, uh, to me, that would be very worth the effort um, because he's someone who could come in immediately, make an impact, um, be a downfield weapon that Jameis Winston can trust. He's really someone who has not been used as well in the pros as he was at Ole Miss in college. Um, I, I remember uh, watching him streaking downfield against Alabama, just making plays after plays against future pros, and the Giants that just have not done a good job of that since, he, since they drafted him. So he's in a contract year. He's someone who has not been utilized properly at, at the NFL, and I would love to see Sean Payton get get a turn to try and play him better to his to his strength. Yeah, I love that one. I think you know Engram is he's a guy that's really the Giants fans want him gone. I mean that's that's been something he's always kind of mentioned around this time, and uh, you know he's just like you said not living up to expectations for whatever reason. A lot of turnovers, like he's got a lot of tip ball interceptions, a lot of fumbles. That I, and I remember that's one, what I heard. I, yeah. I, I, I read that earlier. That's a great stat from Dan Benton over over at the Giants Wire. I want to say like forty three percent of the of New York's turnovers this year. He, he's had a role in whether it's <laughs> just tipping the ball and it gets picked off or fumbling or whatever it may be. And, and I'm like, yeah, that sucks. But like, that that's not a sustainable pace. Like he's not all he's not only going to be a negative player. And I know the Saints fans hear that and they're like, oh well, he's another Jared Cook. Uh, they don't have a playmaker at tight end right now. They 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 just don't. They don't have any veterans there that they can rely on. They don't have anyone who Jameis Winston can trust. Uh, Ingram would, would be worth a look. Now, beyond him, other players I'm kind of keeping an eye on, uh, Brandon Ayuk, 
there in San Francisco is yeah, another yeah. guy who I'm really interested in. Uh, I don't know if he, you know, forgot to walk Kyle Shanahan's dog at some point. <laughs> what happened? Season. Yeah, I what happened? Know. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe he was last one out to turn off the lights at, at, a Le- at Levi Stadium and he didn't do it. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but he, something. He, the coaching staff, something happened. The coaching staff has lost all confidence in him. And he, he's been in the doghouse for, for all, all, all year. So if the Saints could, could find a way to get him out of there, I, I would love to see it. I would love to see him in, in black and gold. I, I was high on him in the draft uh, last year. Just doing, they just got to do something to upgrade the top of the depth chart there. Because even if Michael Thomas, I don't want to put all of our eggs in that basket. I certainly don't want to hope that Michael Tom, that Traquan Smith is about to turn the corner in a big way. They've just got to get better. They've got to do something, and I expect them to try. Uh, They've been very active at the trade deadline. Last year, they obviously acquired uh, Juan Alexander. That paid off very well. The year before, they they made some calls. They they were very aggressive in trying to get Emmanuel Sanders uh, at the trade deadline from Denver. They weren't able to, so they ended up signing him as a free agent following offseason. And the year before that, uh, they acquired Eli Apple in in a trade with the Giants, of all teams. So... I think they're, they're going to be busy working the phones. They always are, um, and hopefully they'll, they'll do the smart thing and, and address their most obvious problem and go find another pass catcher. Yeah, no, I love it. I hope I hope they do too. And and even another name like Michael Gallup is another one. I don't know if Dallas is going to let him go. I know he's a he's a big part of what they're trying to do this year, but he's a guy that's been out with an injury and he's coming. He's you know on the mend, coming back. Maybe Gallup's another guy. I really like Engram. I think that's a great idea. He just seems like a guy, John. You put him in a change of scenery and he just blossoms. You know, he just hasn't come close to reaching his potential in the Giants. I just feel like he's one of those guys. You see it all the time. Guys that are just terrible on one team. They change the jersey. Yeah, maybe Ryan Tannehill is a good example. Change the jersey and all of a sudden he's like a legit NFL player who's like contributing on another team. It's just a change the jersey. Yeah. Get a new system. I think Evan Ingram could definitely be that guy. So I like that take. I'm rooting for that. I think that's a good one. You know, Evan Ingram's got to get out of New York, Thanks, man. man. He's got to get out of there. Yeah, so. he's got to do something in... in, in uh, it, it sure doesn't feel like he's going to be re-signed in the offseason, so maybe no. they can accelerate that timeline, get him out of there, uh, hopefully get him to New Orleans. I'm sick of watching Troutman try to shake off whatever's going on with him. Uh, he's, I'm just That fumble was really annoying in the game and, and gets to Seattle. And Yeah, let's get a tight end in here. I love it. So, uh, But hey, we got a big game here. Halloween, Saints, Bucks, in New Orleans. Doesn't get much better than that, right? John and I are going to dive into that coming up next. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slipping Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday Night Football matchup with the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Our friends at Typical Sportsbook have the Cowboys favored one and a half. Uh, the Vikings money line is plus 102. The Cowboys money line is minus 125. The over under is 45 and a half. I am on the Vikings plus the points. Actually, I'm just going to take the Vikings outright as a road dog. In the Zimmer era, they're 10 and 3 against the spread as a home underdog. Also, Dallas is 6 and 0. ATS record is due for some regression. I'm skeptical Dallas's defense is this good and I like a healthy Minnesota offense to keep pace with the Cowboys. Nate how do you see the Cowboys-Vikings game playing out? I'm going opposite on you, Jeff. Minnesota has a bottom 10 rush defense. Dallas ranks top three in rush attempts per game. The Cowboys are 5-1 and one and have won four of their last five by six or more. 
Dak is a surging MVP candidate, and their offense has been on fire. Give me America's team by more than one point. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John. Saints box were five and a half point home underdogs to the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champion Bucks. Uh, but they got to come to New Orleans, a team that has had their number for a long time, and they got to do it on Halloween, right? In the Caesar Superdome. That's going to be a really fun atmosphere on Sunday. And uh, I don't know. I-, I watched that Seahawks game, and-, and like I said earlier, I'm just like, oh, man, the Saints are just, man, they're really struggling right now. But, you know, with all the struggles, I still feel like they're going to give the Bucks hell in this game. I really feel like they're going to they're going to play them tough. I don't think the Bucks are going to blow them out by any means. I think this is going to be a, a pretty fun football game. I don't know if the Saints are going to win it, but uh, it's going to be a show on Sunday. I think I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, a lot of eyes are going to be on this game, and for very good reason. Uh, the Saints played the Bucks tougher than anyone else last year. I mean, let's remember they beat them twice in the regular season. The only reason the Saints lost to the Bucks in the playoffs is because they turned the ball over four times, Jared. and that led to a. a <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. Jared, Sorry. Yeah, Jared Sorry, Cook Jared. Was, I didn't mean to do yeah, that to you. No, 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 no. Jared Cook had, had the one fumble, but Drew Brees threw three interceptions. Yeah, you did. know, yep. uh, th- three is a bigger number than one. I've, I've, I've called a lot of heat for that before from Saints fans pointing it out. Look, guys, if Drew Brees doesn't have the worst game of his life his la- in his last game in the Superdome, Tom Brady does not win a Super Bowl uh, in, in Tampa Bay last year. It, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and the, the Saints had a lot of success for the same reasons they did in the regular season. They got pressure with four. Uh, Trey Hendrickson had a couple big games. Marcus Davenport came up in some big moments. David Onyebata, uh just had his way with the Bucks interior line. And so a lot of that is replicable. Uh, hope you you got to hope that Peyton Turner can can replace uh, Hendrickson in this year's game. We'll, we'll find out once the injury report comes out. Um, he, he, was, he was a non-participant this past week with a, with a very surprising, very sudden uh, calf injury. Hopefully he can bounce back from that because the Saints, the Saints need him. You, you got to hope that Cameron Jordan has a big game. The more the pressure the Saints defense can get without blitzing, with dropping more guys into coverage to take away Tom Brady's many, many weapons, uh, the better off they'll be. And so I like the rods in this game. Um, I think it's going to be very close. This is a familiar opponent to them that they, they've had success before. They, they, they know what to do. And, what just really worries me is the Saints offense against the Tampa Bay defense. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the matchup right there because, you know, I, I think the Saints, they want this to be another one of those low-scoring, defensive, slug it out, we'll sack you on the last play of the game kind of things, right? They don't want it to be a shootout. Uh, and, you know, I think you got a chance on defense to hold them down too because you, know, you talk about those weapons, but Gronk's been out. Antonio Brown sounds like he's going to miss this game. Scotty Miller's been out, so... The, the Bucks are really down to Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and they got the young kid, Tyler Johnson, the second-year player, who's kind of filling in that A-B role. Uh, but, you know, they, some of those weapons are kind of they're kind of down, right? And, I mean, yeah, they demolished the Bears and, you know, just throwing it to Mike Evans and Godwin all, all day long. But, you know, the Saints got some corners. So uh, can, can, they, can they do it on defense? Can they hold the Bucks down, keep it low scoring? Yeah, you, you do that, I think you got a chance. So I don't know if I'm touching the spread, 
I'm a little worried about that number five and a half, but I look at the total at 49 and a half, and I really like, if I'm wagering on this game, John, I think I'm betting, betting the under, and I'm going to play into that whole Halloween, New Orleans thing, and the, you know, just the, the division rival and the Saints owning the Bucks and knowing, like you said, knowing what to do, and I think they can hold this game tight, and again, I have no idea who's going to win it, but I think it's going to be a tough game, and I, again, the Saints are going to give them hell. Uh, so yeah, I like a close game as well, and I like the under forty nine and a half. Yeah, I'll take the under as well. I'll take the under as well. I think the Saints win this one. I do think it's very close. Um, the score prediction that I well, the last score prediction that I took or that I made was like a Saints thirty five, Tampa Bay thirty three. Uh, that was before the Monday night game. But when I saw just how ferocious the Saints defense could be with Marcus Davenport back in the lineup. And how inept the the offense looks at, at times. It looks just poor execution from from pass catchers. And so I think it's going to be much. It's going to be a much lower scoring game than that. Uh, both defenses are, are pretty stout. Um, Tampa Bay does have a vulnerable secondary, and we have we're, we kind of have to wait and see uh, just how effective they're going to be. And I think there are some mismatches that the Saints could take advantage of there. But at the end of the day, it's it's just going to come down to what we've seen before. They've got to protect the quarterback. They cannot turn the ball over, and the defense has to get home with four. So, I look at it, and I look, I just look, just looking at the stats and looking at past performances. Uh, what concerns me is Jameis Winston's time to throw. He, he's taken more time than most quarterbacks around the league, um, far more than the Saints are used to with Drew Brees, and that's really messed with the offensive line's ability to keep him clean. Where before they're they're used to Drew Brees getting rid of the ball in two and a half seconds, and now Jameis Winston's holding on to it for three, three and a half seconds, uh, and he's he's dropping further back than Brees did, and so that that's really interfering with a lot of what they'd like to do up front um, with a lot of their blocking strategies. And I think it's going to get the Saints in trouble, you know, when they're facing Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, even Kent, even uh, the first round rookie um, Joe Tryon Shionka. Um, they're going to have a their hands full. Um, Vita Vea yeah. is probably going to be facing a, a backup. Yeah, um, in Calvin Throckmorton left guard. That's scary. That, that, yeah, that, that's worrisome. Um, <laughs> the good news is the Saints do have Teron Armstead and Eric McCoy back. They both did a fantastic job on Monday night, and they should be able to help out and kind of keep him where he needs to be. So it, it, it'll be a fun one. You know, we may not have a ton of points scored, but it's going to be a very passionate matchup. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans is always must be TV. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it. This is going to tell us a lot about where the Saints are going this year, how far they can go this year. And as we mentioned earlier, they, they have an opportunity to uh, get into the driver's seat for the NFC South title again. Uh, they've won it four times in a row. They, here's how the schedule lines up. The Saints are 4-2. and two. They're hosting uh, Tampa Bay at 6-1 and one this, this week. Tampa goes into their bye week after this game. So if the Saints can find a way to send Tampa into the bye week at 6-2, and two, and the Saints improved to 5-2, and two. Tampa Bay is off the following week while the Saints host the Atlanta Falcons. And so if they, if, if that comes to pass, if, if that's the reality that we end up living in, uh, the Saints would come out of this game hosting their most common rival of all time, their most hated rival of all time, um, with an opportunity to take over the division. So th- that's just it's very exciting to think about, but now that I've gone and said that, we, we probably <laughs> need, need to stay focused on week I don't know how long the network will let me keep doing these podcasts, but I'm sure it, what, what, however long I do this, I'm never going to see you pick the Bucks over the Saints, okay? That's that's number one. Uh, and, and number two, 
uh, shout out to Marshawn, right? Marshawn, because that, you know, you talk about the matchup with uh, Mike Evans, and I'm sure that's going to be uh, fun to see what's going on after the whistle. And how about him and DK Metcalf? That was kind of fun, right? They're shoving each other after every single play. <laughs> Looked like they hated each other. And I was telling you off the air, I had this huge lead in my fantasy game. And I, I just had to dodge this monster game from DK Metcalf. As long as he didn't catch, you know, a bunch of yards and a couple touchdowns, I was going to win. And it didn't start off well. well the 85, he might have pushed off a little bit on that. I was, I was a little upset. But, uh, you know. Just a little. Yeah, a little bit. But Metcalf, yeah, he, what? Yeah, he had a little push off. 84-yard you know, touchdown, you know, like, in the first quarter. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm, I'm screwed. He only needs a couple more catches to beat me. But then Marshawn shut it down, so that was pretty sweet. Yeah, you know, Marshawn spotted him 84 yards, and he still didn't get to 100. Yeah, so that, that really good. speaks to, to how, how well he played. You know, ho- hopefully he's got his mind right for this game. Uh, uh, Metcalf really baited him into a couple uh, j- just dumb penalties early on. That, and we all know the friction between him and Mike Evans, and I'm sure Evans is going to try the same thing. But, you know, Lattimore can, 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 can play that way too. So it, it, it'll be it's a big-time matchup, a, a, a true heavyweight fight in this league. Um, I'm so excited to get in, to get into it and um, just ready for Sunday. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. So good to be back, you know, like I said, playing with a baby for a couple of weeks, but good to be back talking football with you, John. Like we said earlier, don't forget to hit subscribe. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.